Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ernest, listen up. When people all around the world first started going out protesting this summer, you'd hear it over and over. This time is different. But how? And who are the people trying to make it different? In Gimlet's new podcast, Resistance, host Saeed Tijan Thomas Jr. brings us stories from the front lines of the movement for black lives told by the generation fighting for the change. It's a show about people refusing to accept things as they are and how we can make sure this time really is different. Resistance is out now. Follow and listen for free on Spotify. My graduates from my school being Forbes, bag drop. Bag drop. <laughs> a mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop. We're going to talk today about how to get in real estate one on one. So, okay. for the average person um, that doesn't come from you know a flu an affluent family and low socioeconomic environment, how does someone get into real estate? Like. What would be the first step? 
Oh man, the first step personally, I think, is mindset. You got to make the decision. Okay. I think that's numero uno, right? But as far as financing, you need to get pre-approved. You need to know exactly what you can qualify for. Okay. Um, there's several different loans out there. Um, so let's speak to the first-time home buyer right okay. now. Um, what I try to coach all my first-time home buyers is, you know, most people want to go ahead and go to White Plains or go to Long Island, buy the Nice single family home with the white picket fence and this, that, and the third, right? right. Which is cool. If that's what you want to do, that's what you you got to do what we you got to do. You got the right? money for it. Though. You got to have the money for <laughs> yeah. it though, right? But what I try to encourage all my first time home buyers, if you don't have a need for the certain school district or if you don't have, you know, children that's going to junior high school or high school, then you should always start off with a multifamily, especially if you know you're looking to get into real estate investing, you know, at some point in your life. Mm -hmm. Start off with a multifamily, anywhere between two to four units. Yeah. And you can use programs like FHA, which allows you to put down as little as three and a half percent as a down payment. Okay. Um, which is a, a terrific um program. So um, three and a half would be um, that's a pretty small percentage. Yeah. So as if, opposed to if I had to just outright put like what is it normally twenty percent or 30? no no so you have FHA that allows you to put down three and a half percent. Yeah. Um, and also conventional loans allow you to put down a total okay. as three percent, but you have to qualify. You have to be um, a certain income restrictions. Okay. If you're buying multifamilies, you have to you know White Plains the the income restriction is probably ninety six thousand. Um, so if you exceed that, then you won't qualify for that three percent down on a, on a multifamily. Mm -hmm. um, then you'll probably have to put down as fifteen percent because it's going to be a primary yeah. residence. Right. But FHA is always a good tool because no matter it doesn't have any income restrictions. As long as you're within the county's loan limits, yeah. then you can and you can credit and income qualify, yeah. which minimum credit score is a five eighty for FHA loan. So okay. we're putting down as little as three and a half percent. Buy that multifamily, and you can live in it for twelve months, and then move out of it, yeah. and then you can rent the entire the entire place out. And now you created a cash flow investment property for yourself, and now you can now go ahead and go buy your one family or your condo or whatever you want, and now put down minimum down payment as well. So each county has a uh, set loan limit. Is that yeah. what you saying? Yeah. So FHA has um every county is different, right? So we're in like. Five boroughs, Westchester, Long Island. Right. So, up to a four family, we can go up to one point three nine seven million. Every county in America. Every county in America. So, if you're, you know, your audience is probably all over the place, yeah, right? Right, right? So, if you want to know what your your county loan limit is, just you can Google it again. You know, That's if you live in know. Kentucky, you can Google, you know, FHA loan limits for Kentucky or whatever county okay. in Kentucky, or if you're in Georgia, um, if you're in um, Gwinnett County. You can Google FHA loan limits for Gwinnett County, mm -hmm. right? And they'll tell you for one family, duplex, triplex, fourplex. That's what they call it down there. So that's why. I'm so that's interesting it. because yeah, you, so you, that's interesting that you say that you, your first home should be a multifamily. It should home. be a multifamily, absolutely. Because a lot of people have the reverse mindset where they want to get the picket white fence as their first home, and then if they want to get like a, a investment property, then they'll look at multifamily. Yeah, but see, that's where they screw themselves, right? Because now when you go ahead and you do that one family first and you go do the multifamily second, now you got to put down 25%. Mm -hmm. Now, unless you have 25% plus closing costs, which is probably, you're going to probably spend around 30% yeah. for that transaction, then guess what? You you just screwed yourself. Now it's gonna it's gonna be harder for you to get into that investment game. Now if you go ahead and you buy that one that multifamily first using three and a half percent plus your closing costs, now you have a multifamily 
potentially it's a, you're going to live in it because yeah. it has to be your primary residence. Right. You have to live in it for 12 months, yeah. right? After 12 months, you can move out free and clear, no problem. Now go ahead and buy another one family, buy one family property and now still do a minimum down payment loan because you're moving out of one and moving into the so other as your primary residence. So the key to anything is all on how you're structuring your loans and yeah. structuring your deal. Right. And if once you say investment property, you automatically think 25 percent down payment. Yeah, that's you a, say that's a difference. that's a huge difference, yeah. and especially here and where we are. Yeah. You know, that can be a couple hundred grand depending on that sales price. But if you go ahead and do a multifamily first, minimum down payment, 12 months, you move out, move into your single family. Now you have an asset that's going to pay for itself and probably pay for your one family yeah. or a portion of that one family. Right now, you created some sort of cash flow. That's a you, I have I've had clients move from four family to a two family, you know, and still was able to use minimum down payments. Now, if you use an FHA loan, you can't go ahead and move out of that four family property FHA and then go into the two family FHA because FHA changed their rules okay. a couple years ago. You can't have two FHA loans at the same time now, right? So, but you could use it again, the FHA loan. If you read, what I tell everybody is this, right? You buy that four family or that multifamily. Okay. You stay in it. You refinance it. You get out of the the FHA loan and you go into a conventional mortgage. Right. Probably try to pull some equity out of that home so that way now you can use that equity as a down payment for your new property. Okay. Now you refinance it as a primary primary residence because you're still technically living in there, mm -hmm. but your intent is obviously at some point to move out of it. Now you're taking that equity. You have a conventional loan on it now. Now you're going to buy your one family. Great. You're going to go move in that one family. Now you can use FHA for that one family because yeah. this four family or multifamily is now in a conventional mortgage and you took the equity out of there to help you purchase that one family. And now your tenants are not only paying for this property, now they're going to help pay for this property depending on the rentals and cash flow yeah, of that property. That's, 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 that's so valuable, it's, it's all about strategy yeah. at the end yeah, of the yeah, day. Yeah, and I'm most sure. people don't lead with strategy. Most people lead with emotion. Emotion, that's and, a fact. And yeah. it's, this is business at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, you know, I try to coach all my, my buyers. Think business. I don't care if you're going to live there. I don't care about any of that stuff. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't at the end of the day. And if you're telling me your goals are to invest in, are to invest in real estate, then you need to think like an investor. Every first-time home buyer should be thinking like an investor. Why go buy the flip? Why? <laughs> when there's programs out there for the first-time home buyer, like an FHA 203K loan or a Fannie Mae Homestyle loan, where you can get renovation and your mortgage money all in one all yeah, in one, one loan. Thing, yeah. So why not go and buy? Look, we we spoke about Envy and Caesar. These guys are not buying the flip, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're going ahead and they're buying at the foreclosure auctions. They're buying short sales. They're buying the worst house in the best in the best areas that they can, and they're putting that money into it. And now they're making their ROI. Why can't every first time home buyer think the same way like the investor? Why does the Envies and the Caesars of the world need to make all the money? Why can't the first time home buyer make have that same strategy? And make the same returns, but you're going to live in it for a year, two years, three years, whatever the case may be. But now you're buying under market. Yeah, that's the whole. So you case. would encourage anybody to go into buying a home as an investment. Like even if somebody doesn't necessarily look at themselves as a real estate investor, mm -hmm. 
I guess they are real estate investor by, by yeah, home. You're by investing. Home. Right? Right. You're investing. Right. Right. Whether you think you're investing <laughs> yeah. or not, you're investing. Yeah, you're investing or not. So some people will tell you out there that uh, uh, your primary residence or a single family home is not an investment because it doesn't generate cash flow, right? right, right. Which is true, but to me, I don't think that's 100% true because you're looking at that equity, right? That equity is what that first-time home buyer should be paying attention to. And when that equity gets to a certain position, you need to act on it. You need to do something with it because equity is monopoly money. It's not guaranteed. The market crashed 12 years ago, right? Yeah. When every home was depreciating across America. So if that doesn't tell people that equity is monopoly money, I don't know what's going to tell them. So I have people right now that may purchase a home in 2011, 2012. Now they may have 200, 300,000 in equity and they don't want to touch it. I'm like, what are you doing? You need to take that money and do something with it because if the market corrects itself, which it will at some point, now you're going to kick yourself that you didn't jump in the game, take that money to invest in these opportunity zones, right, and build that generational wealth for yourself. Because the market doesn't care about what's going on. The market is going to do what the market wants to do. So what I try to coach all my buyers, my sellers, my current homeowners, whoever, don't let equity sit there because it's not guaranteed. You got to use it. If you don't use it, then it's not, it's nothing. Yeah. It's monopoly money. That's real. That's fair. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. like, okay. Don't, the single family home is great. I don't have nothing against the single family home, but I think the strategy moving forward should be multifamily first, single families later down the road, because you can always buy a single family home. There's never going to be a shortage of that. Mm. Look what's happening. Housing is expensive, rents are going up. The rental market is booming right now. So why not put yourself in that position to be an owner-occupied landlord yeah. where you can basically live for free, now have your job, now you can save all that money to reinvest into other real estate. I think it goes back to what our guest last week talked about as far as a lot of times we care about how we're perceived. Exactly. And it's like, okay, well, how would I look living in a three-family home? I'd rather have... Yeah, the white picket fence with yeah. the backyard and all that. Well, yeah. with the Mercedes outside, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But Mercedes like you said, when you when you look at it from a financial standpoint, it makes a lot of from sense. a lot of different reasons, it does make sense. All right, guys. So a lot of people ask us how do they make a podcast. So I'm gonna let you know on a secret, on the easiest most productive way to start a podcast and get it up and running. And that is the app called Anchor. It's free. They have all kind of cool creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They will distribute your podcast for you to all of the major outlets, including Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple, easy place. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Let's do it. Oh, absolutely. And to piggyback off of episode 11, which was an, a phenomenal, 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 phenomenal <laughs> episode. That. So if you guys haven't watched episode 11, <laughs> you need to watch that before you watch this. Yeah, right? And watch in. all the other 10 too. But <laughs> episode 11 was fire, right? So um, what he, he, he brought up a great point, right? Mixed-use properties, yeah. which mixed-use properties are common where, where we are in New York. Mm -hmm. You can use FHA loan to purchase a mixed-use property, which a lot of people don't know, and put down 3.5%. As long as 51% of that mixed-use is residential, 
So you can go ahead and buy that mixed use that may have a storefront, but two apartments or three apartments as residential. Mm-hmm. And if you're a business owner, if you're like he said, he runs a restaurant. Now he can live in that one of the units, have the restaurant, and still have two rental incomes coming in to help support everything. Now living for free, his business is for free, and the mortgage is being paid off. Yep. And you can use the two or three K loan to renovate it. So you can go buy the, the piece of shit, mixed use <laughs> property, yeah. and use that renovation monies to fix it up, clean it up, and open up a business or rent it out to another business owner, the, the commercial aspect of it. And now commercial rents are much higher than residential rents. So Again, living it for one year, now you move out. Now you have a commercial property all under three and a half percent, under an FHA loan with three and a half percent down, plus your closing costs. You got to know the game, man. You got to know the game. It's all about about strategy. And most people, especially, listen, we're in the age of the business owner, the entrepreneur, right? Most people don't think you still need a brick and mortar, but some businesses, you, you need a brick and mortar. Right, depending on if you're in a service industry or whatever the case may be, if you're in retail, if you want to open up a store, a restaurant, like you said, it's one of the toughest businesses because the overhead, right? Yeah. And rent is a big thing. But if you have a mixed use property and you want to open up a restaurant, why not use that as your primary residence also for at least twelve months? For that twelve months, sacrifice and get the loan, yeah. Get get the loan, <laughs> live in it, because you always can move out and now you have a a, a business that's basically in there for free. And a new rental property because you left. And rental property. <laughs> so you get, you know, you, you're killing two birds with one stone, yeah. so to speak. You get rental and your business in there. And your your business is not going to have all that overhead of, of the pressure of paying the rent. Because you know what? It's your mortgage and your tenants are paying for it upstairs. Yeah, man. So it's all about strategy. Not all good in real estate. It's never it's always not. It's, it's, never not. All it's good a dangerous game, man. So now we're going, we going, we going to explain how things can go wrong. All right. So... As I said, it's never all good in anything in life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so real estate is something that's very popular, very trendy right Absolutely. now. And it's very, it has this stigma, I think, of everybody thinks they're just going to get rich overnight, right? And people Absolutely. don't know. It's like any business, you know, when you go into business without a plan, you're destined to fail, right? So if you plan to be a real estate investor, and as you said, whether you think you're an investor or not, if you're buying a home, you're an investor. Correct. But you don't have a plan in place, then you're going to, A, probably make mistakes, and worst possible case scenario, you're going to fail. Correct. Right? So there's do's and don'ts involved, right? Absolutely. Can you just talk about some do's and don'ts in in, in the real estate game? Yeah, Yeah, there's tons of them, right? But if you're a first-time home buyer, one of the don'ts I tell people is, especially if you're you're in the application process, you, you found the house, you're in contract, don't open no debt. Don't buy your Mercedes Benz before you go to closing. Don't change your jobs. You know, don't do something that will impact you in a negative way to turn your approval to a decline, right? And most people, you think it's common sense, right? Yeah. But common sense is not common, yeah. um, unfortunately. Yeah, no, it's true. Most people, like, they don't realize, like, when you apply for a car, they do a credit check. Yeah. Then they have to pull your credit. Like, but that, what they don't realize, when you go for a car, they may pull your credit with 10 other banks to shop right, around to see. to see what's the best deal for, exactly. for the auto finance company, not yeah. for you yeah. as the consumer, right? Now that affects your credit score. And it affects your credit score. It brings you down. I mean, I've had situations where people applied and purchased Mercedes-Benz a week before closing. Mm. I've had people who got Kohl's credit cards just because there was Kohl's bucks involved, right? <laughs> 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 and savings, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right, right. Well, I'm like, what are you doing? You couldn't wait to get the bed sheets? <laughs> you didn't even close on the house yet. So you don't. What I try to tell people is this. When you're in contract, 
You don't own that house just because you're in contract, just because you have a loan commitment. Mm -hmm. Do not get happy. Do not make any changes that can affect you in a negative way because you can get declined just as quick as you got approved, right? Mm -hmm. And the underwriters are always looking for a reason to decline you. So you have to be squeaky clean. Don't be moving money around. That's another big thing. Do not move money around. <laughs> Keep your money in one account. Stop doing your susus and putting it here and doing this and doing that. You know what I'm saying? Don't That's a good get, one. Don't put the mattress money in there. No. Like, leave your accounts alone because now we see, start seeing money moving around. That's red flags. Now we have to document. We have to see where this money is coming from. If you can't document that money, then we can't use it, right? And that can blow up your deal, too. So... The, the don'ts is, it's just the, keep still. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> keep still, relax. You're almost at the closing table. And when you close, you can do whatever the hell you want to do, right? Um, another one of the, the don'ts, I would say, for first-time investors, right? Stop thinking you don't need money. You need money, yeah. right? If you're looking to wholesale real estate, then maybe you don't need money, right? Because you're signing contracts. But if you're looking to do buying flips or if you're looking to do buying holds, you're going to need capital, right? There's many ways you can get capital. I mean, you spoke about it at my workshop. You can do self-directed IRAs. You can borrow from your 401k. You, mm -hmm. can, um, you, can, you can raise capital with a group of friends. Um, what I'm starting to see right now is becoming more popular where people are co-owning properties together, mm -hmm. you know, moving into multifamily. Working together. Working together. You know, yeah. a lot of different cultures co-own. Right, but can you, talk, can you talk about that? Cause yeah, collaboration, because I'm talking about collaboration in business. Absolutely. Actually, last week, so now, but collaboration in real estate. Yeah. Something that is very key, very important. Leverage. Can you just talk yeah. about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, collaboration is greater than competition. I, I speak about this often. Um, that's why we're here right now because yeah. we're collaborating because it doesn't make sense to compete when we all have something we could bring to the table. So if you're a first-time homebuyer, let's just say your, your brother is a first-time homebuyer, you both want to be in that same area, why go buy two single families? Why not go buy a four-family together? Live on each floor and now you have two rental incomes and now you both can probably live for free or pay minimum together. Now you can split that equity when it's time to sell or buy each other out. When real estate investing, you don't need to be a hundred percent owner. I think that's the biggest misconception mm -hmm. that people think. Like if you're going, we all can, we can collaborate right. and create a business structure, a joint, a joint venture business structure, and put our money up. And it doesn't have to be equal, right? Yeah. As long as it equals to a hundred percent, at the end of the day, that's yeah. all that matters. You can be eighty percent owner, and we can both have ten percent ownership, right? Because we bring in something to the table, yeah. but that'll be our portion of the, the net rental income or of the proceeds after sale. 10%, 10%, 80% with you because you're bringing the, the capital, right? Yeah. But we may be the operators and you don't know how to operate, right? So it's all a matter of what do you bring to the table to collaborate, to make make yourself valuable for where someone wants to put you included into that business. Yeah. And You said something important. You said culturally you're not seeing that happen. No, and, and it doesn't happen in our cultures. We have ego. Yeah, from a client-based standpoint, yeah. like... What are you seeing out there? Like, why? What's what's holding us back? We hold ourselves back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we we want to be the the top shotter. We want to be the. This the, is my land. This is mine. Right. Yeah. We have that ego, that mentality, that that fucking sense of entitlement mm. that we deserve everything under the blue sun, which we do. But if you ain't working hard towards it, then why do you have this sense of entitlement for number one? But I don't know why we don't collaborate more. Mm. Um, it's it's sad that I see. A lot of people in our community 
are not collaborating. But also on the flip side, when I'm starting to notice the trend, especially if you look at you know what they call black Twitter, black social media, yeah. you're starting to see the uplifting. You're starting to see people coming together and starting to do more together. So I think that cycle is going to start getting yeah. broke down. Um, from an ownership perspective, I'm starting to see family members now in our community buying homes together, yeah. you know, living in the homes together. You know, you yeah. don't need, you know, to have a 5,000 square foot home and it's just you and your girlfriend, yeah. right? Now, if you, your girlfriend, the parents can all move in, even if you want to get the single thing, right? Yeah. You know what? We're splitting that mortgage four ways. Now it's more affordable. And now we're able to save more and invest together. So I yeah. think that, I mean, that's a personal story for me. Like that literally is my model model right now like i i own a home with my dad and it's easier for us because obviously it lessens the burden on me but it also puts me in a position that whereas you know they're older in age it's easy for me to take care of them rather than having them uh grow in age and have them put them in or having them go into a home they're here i can take care of them um and it it works no i think it's i think it's it's a it's a perfect situation um for for you to co-own i know someone like myself when i've purchased my first home 13, 14 years ago, I, well, I didn't want to live with nobody. Are you kidding me? Right. Fuck out of here. Nobody's going to live with me, right? Yeah. But now, as I've grown older and I've matured, it's more so like, you know what? That's the best way to do it because mm-hmm. people just can't afford to live on their own no more. People are struggling. People are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. In New York, if you're making 100K, you're broke. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to see a lot more in our community where people are co-owned because people just don't, they don't have that the resources, you know, we qualify people off your gross income, right? Um, but you live your life off your net income. Mm. And if you make 100K gross, that's really like 55, 60,000 net. Depending on what state, right? Depending, on, tax. depending on taxes yeah. and what state you're in, right? But if you're talking about 35, 40%, if you're making that type of money, I mean, that's what we're qualifying. We're qualifying off the, that bigger number. So yeah. for me, it's like if you can barely qualify, you're at a max debt to re- debt to income ratio of a gross income, you really can't afford it because yeah. we're not taking into consideration your um your auto insurance, your child care, you know, things of that nature that don't report on your credit report. So yeah. you have to be smart is is what the message that I'm preaching to people now is like, you know, be smart about this decision. And that's why I preach multifamily and, and, and investing as a primary residence versus yeah. just buying a single family home because you, you really can't afford it. You know, you're a recipe for foreclosure. God forbid you get sick. God forbid you get laid off. Yeah. Like, how are we going to pay your mortgage? And then one, one other thing um, before we before we finish is that you had mentioned before off camera that um, it's important to have a strategy. Absolutely. Like you, like, you go from like two to three to four. Can you just kind of explain that? Yeah. I mean, listen, everything is strategy. Um, no matter if it's your first time, first time home buyer, you buy your second home, move up home, you got to have a strategy, right? Um, For tax purposes, you need a tax strategy. That's why I speak a lot about tax strategy, insurance strategies. Um, We've had that conversation several times. So what I try to tell people, go go down, right? Four, three, two, one. Um, Because if you do it properly, you'll be able to use minimum down payments. Four four units. Four units, three unit, two unit. So the first home should be a a four-unit home. Correct. Then you move out of that, you get the three-unit home. Exactly. You keep the you keep the so but you keep you keeping it the whole time. You're keeping mm. the then you go from the three to the two. Yeah. And then now you can buy your dream home. Now you can buy your dream home. All those assets. Because now you got 40. three yeah. other homes yeah. that's paying for. You got to think home. about it, right? 
you just accumulated probably what's that seven nine nine doors in a matter <laughs> of a couple years so if you're making five hundred dollars profit a door you know now your 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 single family dream home is paid for right it's really your dream home it's and not it's, like oh this is what i can afford it's right not now. what i can afford right now yeah. it's like we sacrificed for the first five years of our real estate journey mm-hmm. right and we went multifamilies and, and moved our way down and we did it strategically we're not sitting here buying in the best neighborhood when we buying our multis we're buying in areas that we can feel comfortable and safe in and live in for a year and then we're moving out and moving into a little bit step up our neighborhood but going down in units because from an underwriting perspective it has to make sense for you moving from one multifamily to another multifamily you can't buy a four family or three family on the same block and say I'm moving from one house to another, right? That doesn't make sense. So that's a play, like to move to a decent neighborhood and just keep moving up in neighborhoods. Just keep moving. That's up. another thing too, parents. They're like, I want to move in the best possible neighborhood right away when my kid is like one years old because I went to school district. But one year is not going to make that big of a difference, no, right? Not at all. Right. It's not going to start till five. Listen, the kid is not going to start the five. I have a four year old, right? She's she'll be five this year. She's going to kindergarten, right? I ask her every day, "What you learn in school?" <laughs> and the answer changes every single day, right? Like, and then sometimes it'll have nothing to do with school. And yeah. I'm like, okay, baby, right? So you got to really think about it. Why are you going to go to that best school district? And the best school district in our areas come with fifteen, twenty thousand in property taxes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And now with the new tax laws, you can only write off ten thousand of it. Yeah, you can't write yeah. off the whole amount no more. So yeah. everything has to be strategy and yeah. you have to know your tax laws and you have to keep up with it, right? So why go to that best neighborhood if you really don't need the school district right now? Why don't you go to the okay neighborhood that you're safe in, get the multifamily because while your child is growing, you could be growing too, but in your real estate portfolio. And now when it's time, maybe I don't even think kindergarten you need to be in the best school district. That's just my opinion. Maybe not even till they get to, you know, seven, sixth or seventh grade is when they their brains really start retaining stuff, in my opinion, is now you probably want to go to that best school district. And then by that time, you probably accumulated, you know, three, four assets that now can help pay for It's that. the same with, like, with people on um, private school. A lot of times people will send their pri- kids to private school in like middle school because mm-hmm. they, they don't want to pay the price of private school in second grade. Yeah. yeah. So they save. And then by the time they get to like sixth grade. Seventh grade, now they put their kids in private school. Yeah, and I have folks that love private school, right, versus public. Great, but then why are you going to buy the house that comes with 15000 in taxes? If you're not going to send them to public. If you're not going to send them to public, because <laughs> the majority of your taxes are school taxes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, why are you going to pay out of the fifteen grand? probably ten grand is going to the school. But you're still paying probably ten, fifteen k a year in tuition yeah. at the same time. So, and you can't write it all off no more. Yeah. So why do it, right? It doesn't make any sense. Even if you go with the Star Program, the Star Program is only going to save you a couple of dollars. Yeah, uh, I, for those who don't know, what's the Star Program? The Star, the Star Program saves you on school taxes, yeah. right? Um, it used to come off the gross. Um, on your, your your taxes. Now they send you a check <laughs> at the end of the year, so it doesn't really help you during the course of the year. You get reimbursed yeah. um, or refunded. That's that's savings, but that's the savings is only like two grand. So I mean, two grand versus fifteen really? grand. It's like pennies on a dollar when you. Really, it's a penny saved is a penny earned too. Yeah. At the same time, but it doesn't really help you in the grand scheme of things. So what I try to tell people is, listen, just be smart because. You got to pay that mortgage every month, and the mortgage man don't care. They want their money, and if you they don't get your money, 
they're going to wind up foreclosing on you at some point. Mm -hmm. So just be smart, move a strategy, start with rental properties first because the rental properties can pay for your asset. Like DJ Envy and Caesar both say at their seminars, right, which I love that they say it. You know, Envy's flashy. Like, he loves his cars, right? We all know that if you follow him. Yeah. He's always buying some Rolls Royce or something. But he said flat out, I don't buy this unless I have an asset that can pay for it. Mm. So I'm not paying for it. I'm paying for the asset. Assets but over liabilities. Assets over liabilities, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Shameless plug, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assets over liabilities, people, right? <laughs> but he's buying the asset to pay for the Rolls Royce. You know, we have that same opportunity. You know, these guys are part of the 1% club. Great. We all have that ability to do the same thing. Even if we're not part of the 1%, we can develop the 1% mentality. Yeah, mindset. That's all we need. So that's when you ask me, where do we first start? Right here. Yeah. The mentality is the first place that we need to start. Develop that 1% mentality. Develop a strong team. Develop your 1% dream team. You know, you need guys like me. You need guys like Rashad. You need financial planning. You need to understand tax planning. You need all of these 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 key team players to guide you to know your overall strategy. Because if you just go to, in my business, what I like to call them order takers, you know, it's like going to McDonald's. You want fries with that, right? Mm -hmm. If you go to a regular loan officer, they're not asking you questions. They're just thinking to get you pre-approved today to buy that house today. But they're not trying to gather the long-term, your long-term goals. So when someone comes to me, I'm asking these questions because I want to know what, who are you, number one, and what do you want to do with your life? Because if you tell me, hey, I want to buy this house, but then at the same time, you say I want to invest, well, you're contradicting yourself. Mm. You got to kind of pick your poison and figure out what's the best route. And I can only tell you my opinion, my advice. This is what you qualify for. I'm going to lead you to the water, but it's up to you to drink at the end of the day. Now, we, want, oh. we, we want to thank you for coming oh. in, man. That was. Um, I hope you guys really... Once again, took Gems. notes. Yeah, I, I hope you guys really took notes because this is just like business. You know, real estate is something. This is actually probably even more relevant than business because everybody doesn't aspire to be a business owner. Oh, but great. most people have a, a dream of owning a home, right? Or, you know, at least rent. You got to live somewhere regardless. So even Absolutely. if you're a renter, you should still be educated on it because, Absolutely. you know, real estate is something that everybody partakes but, in one way or the other. Even, I'm going to cut you off, but even if you're a renter, you still should be buying. Mm -hmm. Right. Like why? And especially with the millennials, like I hear a lot of this online. Millennials don't want to buy homes. They just want to rent because they don't feel like they want to get tagged tied down to a property. But why not still invest, you know, still buy property, still buy real estate. And you can because there's nothing wrong with renting. You know, there's a lot of people in my industry that try to say compare rent versus owning, which I get the logic. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with being a renter. Right. It's a purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, some people you have to be mature. To handle home ownership, no, that's a fact. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot that goes into it's it. It's a lot of responsibility. Absolutely, it's not, it's Absolutely. not just like oh, I bought a house and I'm, <laughs> I'm a homeowner and great. Like, yeah. but the goddamn boiler break, then what? Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility. It takes sure, a certain sure. level of maturity to handle home ownership. So if you're not mature enough and you need to rent. Why not start investing into real estate and start small? Stay in your lane. You don't have to keep up with, you know, the, the superstar investors that are out there buying 10 properties a week. You know, stay in your lane. Whether you buy one home a year or one a month, whatever your lane is, stay in it. Stay in your That's lane. That's a fact. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Bag drop. Bag drop. <laughs> a mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.